unique ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Awesome. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. We've got a very special guest today. He is a Grammy-nominated creative based in New York City with a diverse range of clients, including Nike, Adidas, Puma, The Rolling Stones, Katy Perry, Vampire Weekend, Arcade Fire, Esquire UK, BBC, Coca-Cola, British Airways, Pepsi, The Guardian, The New York Times, Time, and many others. Please join me in welcoming Alex Trochud. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Thomas. Very happy to be here. You ready for 20 questions? Yeah, I am. Okay, question one. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Well, I think, like, basically, how I define myself is basically a creative, but I'm kind of like a digital uh, creator. Um, mostly, I I think if there's no electricity, I'm sort of useless. I use uh, paper and pen sometimes, but I need to sort of like organize my ideas um, with a computer uh, mainly. And and the outputs normally are uh, typography, uh, but not only so. My speciality is not really typography. It would be, I would say, like, I work with a written medium. That means that um, I work mainly in lettering, um, meaning that, yeah, normally I, I just work with the custom uh, amount of letters that I need. If I need to write a logo, I would just work with those letters. And, and that kind of, like, is different from calligraphy, typography, and lettering. Like, calligraphy is writing, uh, letters as you know as a continuous flow like one shot one take and it's heavily based on your manual skills uh, which I I don't have I understand how it's made but I haven't practiced ever that much and then you have typography which is for kind of like organizing a system and designing every character as it's way more kind of technical. It's like it's like engineering um, shapes in order to make them all uh, create a system that it needs to be working. Every character needs to work with all the other characters. And, and then lettering is basically, it's kind of like a custom job. Uh, something like you would say, like typography would be something sort of like a Neta Porter where like, everybody can can buy and combine it in in however clothing styles and and what i do is more kind of like okay this is designed for one client and um, it's basically it's like a tailored suit that it's measured just for that client for that brand that's great um i was listening to some of your previous interviews and i uh, was really fascinated with your um I guess lettering or typography work in uh, in three D in um, in a in a kind of the spatial typography. Um, yeah. Okay. So number two, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I'm kind of like a believer that um, a lot of what we know is based on the desires that we have to absorb those things in a certain way and. And those desires are sort of like written in you and uh, we don't choose them. They're kind of like there. And in a certain way, I believe that beyond software, beyond hardware, we also inherited a software that we are kind of like discovering through life. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's hard for me to observe and understand clearly how, how I do things sometimes or how the knowledge sort of like it's articulated. Um, because it's not really a knowledge to me. It's more kind of like most of the time um, I try to get lost. And it's in those moments of sort of like when I'm a little bit, I have no idea how I got there, creatively speaking. And there in that place of like, I, I would be kind of like clueless about telling you how I got here. Uh, but once I'm there is where, where you sort of like find things. Um, that are creatively exciting. Um, so I, 
I don't know. I guess like, yeah, that's what I think it's kind of like very interesting about the subconsciousness and, and, and how we are kind of like programmed to do certain things without knowing what these things, what, what is pulling the, these, these threads, sort of speak. Right. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to creativity and, and yeah, knowledge is, it's kind of like a big word for me. It's, the power is more in the unknown and how you um, kind of like get excited about the things you want to understand or you don't know. And the, the unknown is very, very powerful. Like they say, like knowledge is power, but I think the unknown is sometimes way more powerful because it's a drive towards surprises and encountering maybe something that if you knew very well what's going to happen, it just becomes very boring. And um, and I'm very bad about repeating something. Uh, I would probably be doing it better if I did it constantly and, and it will Im keep improving. But at the same time, it will decline so much the motivation towards the process of it. So there's kind of like a sweet spot between having control over something and then enjoying the experience of discovering also while you're making it if that makes sense it does um you've also got that kind of genetic knowledge as well right um yeah i guess you we can say that because yeah my my grandfather he was um he was a son of a printer so my great-grandfather was a, a french printer in the army and he was sort of like printing um all sorts of fake news <laughs> that were saying that the that the war the first world war was going great for france mm -hmm. and well he was seeing a lot of death so he he decided to quit and like um it was an act of bravery to me because apparently uh, when you quit the first world war uh, if they got you, it's automatically, it was a dead sentence, mm. but he decided to do that because his brother died and he didn't see much of a, of a point, uh, on that war. So he migrated to Spain without knowing Spanish, having money or, or much, but he knew how to print so that the technology in, in Spain, in Spain wasn't as developed as in France. Mm. So he was a tough man, my great grandfather. He mm. arrived to Spain and, and he sort of like had to figure it out everything. But he built a company in Barcelona that become one of the most successful in, in town. And, um, and around uh, 1920 is when he had uh, his son, my grandfather. Mm. And, and I imagine this kid, my grandfather, just being surrounded by all these letterpress machines and being in a company that I would say that my great grandfather was not necessarily a crazy creative person, but I think he was like a good hard man. Like, you know, how to deal with a business and have that uh, more kind of like uh, cold heart that would like drive the business forward very efficiently. But then his son was like this sort of like very creative um, person that, um, by the time that he was 20, he released this incredible modular system called Super Veloz, which basically it was just one set of typography that you would buy. Um, imagine they would be like kind of like now nowadays we buy fonts digitally, but yeah, back in the days you buy a set of letterpress that was basically um, every size had to be a different set of lead pieces mm -hmm. uh, what he created is just one single set that was just like one size it was universal but it was 250 pieces mm -hmm. it was like this massive puzzle that you could arrange in different ways so you would be able to construct letters for headlines logos uh, alphabets and also illustration and the possibilities were kind of like limitless like it was kind of like an infinite uh, sort of like Lego, uh, sort of like typographical puzzle, and and yeah, that was that was the, my grandfather. Um, but yeah, long story short, basically, 
my grandfather when he was 20 he kind of like just i imagine him like enjoying so much the design part of his business but being a designer back in the days meant that you were also a printer and and he had to inherit this sort of like take charge of this company that had like 150 uh, workers and and he probably was not doing a lot of design at, at some point because he just had to be a businessman so yeah he he didn't he didn't become a great businessman and also there was this like i'm moving forward now towards like at the end of his life where towards the 60s offset printing was this new technology that came in and and basically he had to establish a new change for the company but he couldn't adapt to the, that change of technology so basically um the end of his life was was a little bit bitter um but i'm explaining all this because this is what where the genetics come in because his son my father witnessed all these sort of decline on and and what make our family bankrupt basically because my grandfather had to uh, sell most of what his father um, had gotten in the company and my father had to start from scratch and and my grandfather died just like six months before I, I was born um, so by the time all these you know many years happened and like I'm 12 and I told my dad that I wanted to do graphic design mm. not because I I knew much about my grandfather but because I wanted to just you know follow what I was seeing that I thought it was cool it was skateboard graphics and and um, and album covers and video games and all that stuff it's like how do you do this wow oh, these are graphic designers my uncle told me and, uh, and I was like oh, I want to do that and and my dad was like well you're probably you know you're just a kid but then I, I was really serious about it and by the time I was like uh, 16 17 my dad I think was really struggling with this because he really tried to disencourage me from that idea. It's like, no, no, you're nuts. Like, this is the worst idea. Like that basically uh, ruined my 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 dad, you know, like physically it was very hard for him. And, and I think this is a terrible decision. Um, but then I think that was also good for me because um, I, I sort of like pushed myself um, to prove that I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And... And I had to prove it to my to my family and also to myself. And he gave me the chance. You know? My dad was like, "Okay, I can do it." But then he really saw that I was really passionate and and that I really enjoyed it. And uh, and then it was more when I was in school that my teachers were telling me like, "Well, but are you related to Juan Trochut?" Mm-hmm. And, and I was saying, "Yeah, that was my grandfather." And uh, <laughs> and the teachers were like, "Okay, kid, like <laughs> no pressure, but yeah." You have um, your your grandfather was kind of like a, a, a very important figure for Spanish design, and so yeah, I I thought it was kind of like a lot of pressure at the time in a way that I I didn't enjoy it to to be recognized as you know the the young sort of like um, relative to to a person that had such a praise. Um, but then, you know, like I, I think I, I was just attracted to letters um, the same way as he did. And, and I think it's pretty fascinating because, yeah, like, I don't know, you sort of um, maybe inherit the physical trait, like you maybe have, you know, you're built in a certain way so you can run faster or you could do certain things because you're physically prepared that way and those that side of the genes, I, I really get. But then, to something so specific as letters, that the genetics could travel even to have, you know, um, devotion for something so artificial as letters. It's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. Sorry, that was a very long answer. I. I no, I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, Number three, you kind of answered this, but the question is why this of all things, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Again, I think it's maybe one of those mysteries that I think we kind of like our job is to figure it out what we are supposed to do. Um, um, But we don't really know. Um, We know we love things, but we don't know why, (laughs) but 
yeah I, that's that's i guess the answer that one will be shorter <laughs> great uh four is what does your future look like um to be honest i've never been so clueless i feel like right now and and i don't know also how how you feel like personally there's one question but then the idea of future itself is it's another one right like we we have like i think it's it's related too because of course there's so many things that are going to be affecting us that that we didn't foresee or anticipate of course a couple of decades ago or just one few years ago uh when it comes to climate change and of course all the instability in the world but but when it comes to the technological challenges this is kind of like the third one of the threats that i feel like they're kind of like uh polluting my <laughs> my clouding my my side of the future in a certain ways because um yeah like i feel like design itself it's something that for me it's very much based on craft and and these days for example i feel like i'm a bit overwhelmed by by how fast technology moves so i think for me it's kind of like a moment of accepting that it's it's a war that i will never win having control of of the tools so the tools are always changing so much that you can try to move with it but at some point it will be very hard to uh, maintain the control that that you had maybe at some point especially when the tools are getting more and more complex every day right um because before i had like kind of like the feeling that um the tools were simpler so i could go very deep on them similar to how maybe a, back in the day an artist could be very good with brushes and, and a canvas the technology itself wasn't complicated what what made it unique was the hand and how you control that that very basic tool and how you manage to personalize something these days i feel like the the challenge is how you combine those skills that are maybe more talent that you might develop or you're born with but then there's all these other technical side that is fascinating because the, the machines are allowing us to have this incredible amount of possibilities but at the same time it's so hard to absorb them all the time so there's a kind of like there's an anxiety attached to this excitement um for me and yeah it is it's kind of like um i don't know what's going to happen in the in the next years especially with the ai coming in so hard so fast um because i don't know if it's going to become like a an intersection in creativity where there's going to be creatives that are going to be fully invested in in an AI way of working. And then there's going to be the other sort of creatives that, that are going to be kind of like working on on more the traditional way of doing things. And, and some things will be better in one way and some things will be better in another way, I guess. Or this is what I hope the most is like everything will integrate into kind of like still giving creatives the control that will allow them to create styles. Because with AI, what I feel, it's very hard to form a style when the machine does 99% of the things for you. You just have an idea. But to me, you know, like creativity, it's a mix of craft and, and, and thinking. And if I had to choose, I would choose craft because I, I feel like thinking or conceptualizing is kind of like a consequence of the process of creation, but of, of just discovering something as you make. But when it comes to AI, it's almost like climaxing before <laughs> taking any clothes off. So it's kind of like a very weird way of like, I, I don't find it fun or exciting that much, if I'm honest. But it's the future, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to be more open about it. But there's a certain part of me that it's a little bit kind of like yeah, um, I guess insecure about it. But I hope that yeah, it will yeah, it will integrate in a way that will give us control, not just kind of like 
give a shortcut. It's just how I feel. Like it's it's a shortcut that sometimes is the long path has always been better for me. You know, like to do same with food. No, if you cook things fast, yeah, you can eat them and it's convenient. But I prefer the slow cook. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Future is it's I never I never thought future was going to be so uncertain. It's an interesting question, right? Because design in the future is something that I guess a lot of us are thinking about, but typography or lettering in the future is a little bit different. And especially if like typography can be transferred through genetics, then what does that mean for a future generation who who has the genes of typography? What what will they be creating, I guess? Um, number five. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I think the good thing about typography is like it because it's a human invention. It's always kind of like adapting to its time in, in, in different ways. And we're always modifying text and going back and forth. But but yeah, I I wonder if the future at some point will um will invent some sort of like telepathy. So we don't need to read things anymore. <laughs> so then I guess typography will be finally obsolete. But for now, I think and also I gotta say that so far what I've seen with AI. It hasn't been very impressive for me in mm. the AI um, area, mm. uh, or typography area, sorry. Um, but I'm sure it could be done. And the moment it's done, I think it could be incredible and horrifying too, because then, yeah, like many people lose their jobs. But, but maybe it would be so incredible to have a different typeface for everything, you know, because you could actually do it. Um, but yeah, we're very, very far away from that, uh, thankfully, I think. Great. Um, so you're in New York, but um, you studied at Eli Sava in Barcelona. So number five is let's talk about location. How does the notion of place play into what you do? Yeah, I think uh, location is, it can do so much for you. Um, in one hand, I think like it's it's a lot based on with what company are you surrounded with. Mm. That could really, I think, for me when I came to New York, I I had some of the most lovely years sharing studio with um, some of the creatives I met here: um, Laura Alejo, Isaac Bertrand, Freddy Arenas. They, I I love those years with them. There was mm. such a nice energy of that studio where everybody was really kind of like having that very genuine um, interest and willing to help each other. Um, yeah, and, and that was like very defining for me, that, that sort of energy. But then it's true that sometimes location could give you that excitement that you lose when you're into that routine that it's always sort of like uh, Groundhog Day can really happen very fast mm. as years go by and creativity kind of like that's an enemy for a creativity so mm. um, after the pandemic I and during the pandemic too I I was traveling more because remote work was sort of like more accepted and and that sort of like discovered me that, yeah, the best conditions for good work are far from uh, Monday to Friday uh, in an office or a studio. So I, I really think that there's a certain thing that, that energy that happens when you're in a different place and, and that can give you, I don't know, you become a little bit more efficient with your with your way of working i don't know how it is if it's because you are in an interesting place and you you are allowing yourself to be outside more and you get maybe uh, inspiration from other things and and you also want to be more efficient with your time you're not going to be uh, hopefully glued to your social media or twitter uh, while you're sitting on on a beautiful place uh, so you probably just gonna reduce a lot the procrastination. Mm -hmm. So there's maybe those elements too, but but yeah, I find it like very, very healthy to yeah, to just go away. And it doesn't doesn't matter the amount of work you can have because I also felt like it was harder for me to be stressed in a new environment. Like my level of uh, frustration was growing higher 
if I'm in the same space, mm. uh, I see that there's more intensity of work happening. Mm. And some sometimes that could be like a negative sort of like uh, energy coming in you. But then if you are somewhere else and you're meeting new situations and people, you put that kind of like on bay and it's kind of like you compartmentalize uh, better um, that feeling and you kind of like just focus on, on what needs to be done. So yeah, I'm a huge advocate of like traveling more for creative work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Great. What do you think about that? Do you travel a lot too, right? I do, yeah. Um, yeah, just picking up travel again in 2023. I'm uh, scared and, um, and excited at the same time. I think kind of a lot of us are probably feeling that way. Nice. Where are you planning to go? Um, so I'm not sure about Krakow, but I'm invited there. And then, uh, it looks like I'll be in Paris and in March I'll be in Lisbon. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Everybody's going to Portugal these days. Seems like yeah. the new, the new paradise. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, number six is if you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former younger self? Um, I guess I'll, if I could talk to myself, I would try to uh, tell him to be less afraid to share and to kind of like be less precious about maybe your own creations. Um, I feel like where I come from in, in Barcelona, um, yeah, like also the design community, um, it's a different community at least for me, how it was when I was growing up uh, versus the, the community of today, especially with 3D community. And I think the difference sometimes is maybe because the design community, um, the value was more maybe having, possessing some assets back in the day. Like if somebody had like, you know, a very special font that they never wanted to share because that was sort of like exclusive to certain people, but it was all circulated, funny and love. Like those fonts were not something that they designed or, or that we paid for, but there was a little bit of a, a status related to who had those assets. And then of course your ideas, right? But um, people, I think there was a little bit of a, and I was part of the same culture in terms of like, you wanted to protect a lot your, your knowledge in a certain way because that could you maybe felt like it could be taken away if you share it and um and i think today what is kind of like refreshing for me is to see how much of sharing there is in the community especially with 3d and i think that also happens because 3d itself like if you wouldn't have the sharing aspect of it if, if there wasn't tutorials in youtube or people giving their time and giving it to the community individually speaking will be so hard to um, progress it will be very slow so yeah I think that for me it's been kind of like very clear in the last years and I'm way less scared to kind of like give things that maybe are I protected them as something like I, I wanted to to avoid me maybe being copied or like uh, things like that and and yeah and also things take time i would say to to my younger self that you get where you're supposed to be with time you know like just don't you know don't fight it um or try to make too many strategies things happen when when they're supposed to happen in the end if they're supposed to happen so yeah that's easier said than done i guess but yeah yeah. Yeah. Often on the podcast, we talk about the collaborative nature of design these days versus like when I went to school, it was, you know, really protecting your own work and, and being the one who knew. I mean, how that's changed. Um, number seven, what's a day in your life like? So, yeah, day in my life normally starts with some exercise. Um, I like to to do either like some functional training uh, at with some classes at the gym or or some yoga. I started to do yoga because I'm <laughs> realizing that my back starts to hurt and I haven't ever stretched. So that's uh, 
that's about time when I'm 41. So I, I'm finally doing it and my body's thanking me for that. So I do that in the mornings and, and then basically I, I work, uh, from, yeah, from 10 till, till six normally or something like that. And my energy doesn't allow me to go. It, it can work longer, but it doesn't get better. And yeah, it's kind of like it's at this point, it's kind of like there's an amount of energy I can give to work and that's pretty much it. And, and I have my routine and, and I don't like to take uh, lunch breaks. I, I eat in front of the computer. So it's kind of like I try to facilitate as much as I can that focus mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a solid sort of like uh, amount of hours. Of course, you get interrupted all the time. But um, if I put like a Spanish lunch in between, that would be even worse for me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't do that. And then, yeah, just come home and uh, maybe I, I meet with some friends or um, we're starting to cook with my partner which has also been a, a new addition to my routine or play some music. Um, I got into modular synthesizers um, with, with uh, the pandemic. It was kind of like, a, it was the second epidemic uh, behavior that we had and a good one in that case, which is just um, start playing with friends with these, with these machines. And, and it's fascinating to learn without knowing much about music because you basically program these machines to to create the music for you. So you don't play an instrument, but you sort of like set up the rules. So this, this thing kind of like uh, does it for you. And, and yeah, those are kind of like um, the things I might do during a day. And, and yeah, and then in the weekend, try to not work, go to an exhibition, um, stay with friends, drink some wine. That's it. Great. Um, number eight is lifelong learning is a popular topic these days. How do you stay up to date? Right. Um, I don't know if like there's so much of lifelong learnings anymore. I feel like there's lifelong questionings because <laughs> I I don't feel like we are in a solid ground anymore to kind of like find a truth that could be mm-hmm. existing through life. I find like things are constantly recalibrating and 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 being re redefined. So um, I think it's very hard to. I think about my my parents, for example, and 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 certain things and how also they are adjusting to to so many changes and and so yeah, it's hard for me to yeah like I'm also like I'm kind of like against anything that is solid. Um, in terms of like values, um, I think everything is related to relative to something else, and and there's there's a lot to to be said. But yeah, I'm trying to to stay as open as possible. I guess yeah, uh, that was an, that was kind of like a vague answer, but yeah, it it comes with a good heart. Yeah. So a unique answer. Um, just about halfway here. Number nine. What tools do you use? Are you a digital nomad? Yeah, my tools are pretty much digital and um, I work a lot with, I used to work from, uh, since I started with basically Vector and and Pixel, like Photoshop and Illustrator or Freehand. And then around 2015, I started to work more with Cinema 4D. Mm -hmm. And then that is sort of like um, ramificated into like dozens of different softwares that are kind of like connected to to the 3d backbone of mm. of everything and and yeah i'm trying to do as much as i can traveling like spend like six months here in in brooklyn and the rest it's sort of open mm-hmm. um and yeah that's a little bit the lifestyle that i'm trying to maintain uh for now but um yeah when i travel the setup changes. Last last time I traveled to Southeast Asia, I, I traveled with the workstation mm-hmm. and I put it in one of those Pelican bags mm-hmm. and I travel uh, to yeah to Thailand and and um, and Australia with that and then back to Spain and and yeah that 
that kind of like solves quite few things for me to be able to work with the machine that I usually work in the studio. Mm-hmm. But now the technology is really changing again for the better. And, and you can you can get some pretty good remote uh, access to your computer that almost has no lack at all. So um, I think next time maybe I try not to not to travel with a big computer, <laughs> which wasn't great. Um, number 10 is how do you deal with work-life balance? Um, yeah, like I'm I'm pretty much a workaholic, I would say. Um, and also because I don't have kids and my partner is also a workaholic too. Uh, I think we are both sort of like quite accepting of um, the quantity. Maybe it's not so much our goal for for certain things, if like, if we have work, we have that priority and it's kind of like, it's what also makes me happy. Like mm-hmm. when I'm, even when I'm traveling or I like I'm in a, in a holiday mode sort of thing. So many times it's just like, I like to just keep working on something that maybe it's personal. It's kind of, kind of like the time that I would reserve something. It's like the dessert, like, okay, now it's just like, oh, now enjoy this while you are maybe on holiday and I can, I can enjoy that process a lot. Um, and I think that completes a lot my, my happiness. Like um, when I, my ideal uh, free time um, is kind of like working a little bit, enjoying company of friends and at the end of the day, but yeah, having that sense of productivity is kind of like part of my, yeah, I guess my desires or addictions, but yeah. It's so established that I cannot really take it away. Great. Um, number 11, if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? I would probably just be doing personal art projects. Um, if I didn't have to work, if I if I had uh, all the money, but but then I would kind of like try to find a way to give time in a way that could have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. towards something um so i think it will be a combination of personal fulfillment and then kind of like giving some sort of like service that with my individual capacity could be helpful mm-hmm. uh so i i will have to figure that out but yeah um it's it, i haven't thought about it because it's very far from <laughs> from my reality mm-hmm. but um um I think that would be the dream, yeah. 12 is what would you not like to do in terms of career? Uh, well, yeah, I guess anything. I was a very bad student when, when I was a kid. And, mm. and I think that's why also my dad probably was like, oh, like now you're going to be a starving artist. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. <laughs> and... Um, and and he really wanted me to um, work for his company, and mm-hmm. and my dad just you know out of um, he had to you know he when he was twenty two he was like I need to make some money and and he he started a, a security company, mm-hmm. but that was not something that he did out of um, any sort of like will or or. Uh, appetite for that uh, there was not appeal for him to that it was just like okay this business is an obligation mm-hmm. and um and and that was what was presented to me it's like you're gonna be working in this company mm-hmm. and wow i was really really horrified by that idea I, maybe that why <laughs> i apply myself so hard in design um so yeah i think it's there's yeah i think that would make me very very unhappy if i had to look at work as obligation and of course it's it's never a hundred percent uh one thing or the other like and and in that sense i i feel like it's such a love and hate relationship with our work um because we're doing that all the time it's not you know because you do what you want it's like oh you're you're uh enjoying yourself all the time that's that's not how it is you lose actually when you have, I guess, a nine to five work, you could maybe have um, 
something that you fully understand as pleasure. And when it becomes work, it's not pleasure 100% mm. anymore, right? Mm. But but yeah, I think that would, I would, answering your question, yeah, I, I would hate to, to be working on on a bank or, or something like that. For me, it would be, yeah, pretty devastating. 13, what's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? Um, I love this sentence from Bruce Lee, and not because I like uh, martial arts or, or anything like that, but he said, don't think, feel. And, um, and that itself is just like a little detail that puts together so many things for me, because I'm... Like I was saying, like I'm not really a thinker, I'm more like a crafter. Mm. And 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 the magic stuff doesn't happen thinking. It's something that that appears while you are um yeah, in that drift. And 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 you let the voice that you don't control take control, you know, like mm. and and those things are what like really I feel like it's it's such a it's a flow, it's a state of of that. I guess we can call it inspiration and and it comes when your mind it's in a certain way you know um but yeah don't think feel by bruce lee i think that that's that's really good um i have another one actually too um that it's the definition of creativity by carl jung mm. um, i don't know if like the definition of creativity but like the quote says like the creation of something new is not accomplished by the intellect, by by the play instinct, acting from inner necessity. Mm. The creative mind plays with the objects it loves, mm. and and that to me is also like, explains a lot what what creativity is. It's just this game, and and you don't control it. It's just like it's it's meant to be play and fun, and um, and it's yeah, it's not. It's nothing rational or intellectual, and um, and yeah, I think it's also um, very very interesting, not to see that uh, um, when the desires that you have are speaking out loud, no, you're just witnessing them. Um, you're just witnessing your deep mind making decisions mm. from the consciousness, and and you might think you're responsible for, but what you are many times, you're just watching yourself mm -hmm. do something that you're not really sure why you do it. Do you have a least favorite word quarter sentence? Yeah, I think I, I'm not a big fan of the less is more thing. Mm -hmm. I, because, I mean, let's be clear, like, which by the way, is probably like so many times is true, you know, like less is more, many times i i don't disagree with that um and i apply that to myself many times too but sometimes i think what it really like i hate about that sentence is when i think it's used as a motto when it's actually a in fact like some sort of like the the result of lack of technical skills you know and or and then it's like oh less is more and it's like yeah but like you're maybe not exploring more options sometimes that I feel like I think it needs to be something um, at some point in the process kind of like subtractive I guess like there's a moment to take out but not because you couldn't put in right so like I think yeah it's a funny sentence less is more for me and um, and I I never liked it too much I like your description of that. Um, number 15 is if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would you choose? I think I'm sort of like a chameleon, like a, a mm. person that kind of like, yeah, merges with with uh, with whatever is surrounded by. And, and I think, yeah, like I, I steal a lot from what is around me and, and always filters it in, in, in its own way, but definitely like a sponge that takes certain things and and makes them his own way. I believe, yeah, a lot um, about that. And like I was reading Questlove's book, uh, Creative Quest, and like he he questions his own creativity because he says that 
his way of creation is basically some sort of uh, process of embodying other people's um, work. And he kind of like, even sometimes like wears like the person that he's admiring mm. in order to become that person. And, um, and then sort of like remixes all these personalities in his own way. Mm. And, and I think it's kind of like very true for, for many creatives that that's, that's a lot of what we do, you know, uh, mm. that we just like, we're constantly remixing. Final stretch number 16, what keeps you up at night? Um, I don't know, but I don't sleep as well as I used to. And mm. yeah, um, but yeah, I wouldn't say like there's there's things that I have reasons to keep me up at night. But yeah, I'm not sleeping as well. That's that's for sure. I should maybe if you have some advice, I would take it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have my own trouble sleeping. <laughs> Number 17. What's a dream you're chasing? Um, I would love to do big sculptures, typographical sculptures. And I would love to, I've been working a lot with the idea of paradoxes in um, finding a way to uh, create these 3D ambigrams where um, you could look and you can see one word in one angle and then becomes another word from another angle. Mm. Uh, and it's, I'm trying to find um, the right tone for these sculptures to make them the less cliche possi possible and more poetic so i'm kind of like dealing a little bit with with what what it's been done and how maybe i could add maybe something that would spark uh, not so much the obvious but create this sort of like debate in a conversation if that was a sculpture i hope that um it will make people discuss ideas and see it like in a in so many different ways you no know, about topics that could be relatable but at the same time not not conclusive because that i feel like it's when we do design all the time we are trying to be communicating uh towards the collective acceptance to the maximum efficiency like everybody needs to get the same message hopefully right mm -hmm. and and this should be the opposite i i hope that this would be something that people would internalize in a way that would be very different from one to the other and create this sort of like um, strong connection, but very divisive. So I'm, I hope I can, I can do something like that one day, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, what inspires you? Um, mostly art and nature, I think, and, and some forms of fashion too. And I think it's, it's hard for me to judge because I don't know anything about fashion really, but um, but sometimes there's a very interesting intersection of of culture and art that happens there. And mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. like, um, I was yesterday actually at the Virgin Abloh exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum. And and that was very clear to me how, how he was, um, recycling his own memories and his his uh, childhood and his upbringing in a very artistic way but for these uh brands in a way that was so surprising and fresh mm -hmm. and and it was a great format for art too because it was fashion but at the same time yeah it, i could see how that had this um yeah very very strong intersection between between these these two two currents of culture and, and art. Last couple here. Any advice you'd like to share? Um, well, I would say like don't let automatization automatization to dominate your decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I think software, social media, and all that stuff uh, could be very. Um, um, it could trap you very fast and yeah, try to stay in contact with your own compass. It's easy to fall into these invisible currents of technology and, and just be, yeah, kind of lost in it. I feel like that many times and, and it's, I, 
I think it's it's important that we kind of like force ourselves to be against the the trend of changing our neuroplasticity. This technology is sort of like making us all um, very dispersed and unfocused. And yeah, it's it's definitely, we need to, it's another kind of exercise. It's not physical. You need to do this other sort of like um, mental exercise to step out of this sort of like, um, yeah, modification of the brain that we are feeding constantly. So yeah, I, I would I would think like um, it's an advice that I should give to myself basically because um, I'm a victim of it and and I think what everybody says is meditation seems to be the best way to to combat that and I did it for a while actually to to do some meditation but um, yeah I think yeah it it needs to be something like more more present in, in everybody's life, uh, sort of, I think. Good. And, um, you know, for 20, so there are a lot of interviews out there with you. There are people copying your work, but let's hear from you. How should our listeners, how do you want our listeners to follow you? How do you want us to uh, to see your work or respond to it? Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, I think Instagram is what, I don't post too much uh, mm. on Instagram, but this is probably where I am more active, and and yeah, I'm always like happy to um, to be in contact with with someone if somebody writes me an email. Um, I'm I'm always trying to um, yeah, like at least give an answer and and yeah, so feel free to to send me an email. That's always better than than the DMs. Um, yeah. Twitter too, by the way. Yeah, Twitter. I'm trying to be better at Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, my Twitter handle is Alex Trochut and Instagram is Trochut. Okay, Alex, thank you so much for being on. Um, you know, your your generosity really shows through in your answers to these questions. I really appreciate the long answers and I'm sure that our audience does too. Thank you so much for being a guest. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Thomas. It's been a pleasure and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more Unique Ways. Mm-hmm.